Good morning, everybody. Um, let's, let's take a moment um, and pray together, ask for God's help as we open up his word uh, this morning. Let's pray. Um, Father, thank you for all that's been shared already uh, with us this morning. Um, Father, thank you that we can sing together um, truthfully from the heart um, that all our lives you have been faithful and you've been so, so good. Um, we do want to thank you, especially this morning, for the, the testimony of Grant's life, that right to the end he could sing, all my life you've been faithful with every breath that I'm able. I'll sing of the goodness of God and thank you that he was singing right to the end. Um, thank you that he's singing right now in your presence. Um, Father, we want to pray um, for ourselves as we open up your word this morning. Um, we are always in need of hearing a fresh word from you um, that will speak to where we are right now and enliven us and awaken us and challenge us and humble us and make us new. And so we want to pray, would you speak uh, through your word this morning, would you speak by your Holy Spirit to the deepest parts of us in a way that will make a difference uh, to the, the people that we are and the way that we live? And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I was going to say, just as we begin, I, one of the things I was sharing at the Thanksgiving service on Friday, um, I think one of the things that most has most inspired me about uh, Grant and Gillian and their family, um, especially over the last couple of weeks, has been their hunger for the Word of God. Um, and I think, in particular, thinking about Gillian, as she has lived through probably the hardest period of her entire life, and especially over the last couple of weeks, um, Gillian had a hunger to hear from God. Um, so every time I went to the house to visit, uh, Gillian would grab my hand and say, what have you got for me, John Mark? And she didn't mean, like, bringing cake. Uh, she meant, what have you got from God's word for me? Because she was clinging on. She knew she needed a word from God to sustain her, to nourish her, to get her through these days. Um, and so I've been really challenged by that because I think we, we all need that word from God every day. We should all be getting up saying to God, what have you got for me today? Because I need it in order to be sustained, in order to live well, in order to... Um, do whatever uh, today is going to bring. And so, yeah, I guess I want to throw that out to you. Do we, um, do we have that hunger every day? And maybe as we meet with each other, we need to be grabbing each other by the hand and saying, what have you got for me today? Because I really need it, whatever's going on. Um, I need it more than cake, um, even more than cake. Um, so let's read together. We're, we're reading Mark's gospel. Actually, before we read... Um, we're reading Mark's gospel, um, thinking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and people have continued to send me in photographs to entertain me of Mark's gospel in different places. Um, and so some people like to rub it in. So uh, Colin and Kiki McFarland are, have been in, down near Marbella in Spain. So factor 30 in Mark's gospel, that's all, all you need. Uh, Mark's gospel by the pool. Um, Definitely the, the cutest photo we've had so far is little Rosie on the train to Belfast or somewhere, I think, or on a, on a train trip with her grandparents, maybe. 
Um, so there's Rosie uh, with Mark's Gospel. Um, and then this one, Stephen O'Hara, uh, many of you will know, was in getting a hip operation. And so he was sharing Mark's Gospel with this guy called Joe, who was in getting both his knees replaced. And Stephen took the opportunity to share Mark with him. And he asked, he asked Joe's permission to share the photograph. And Joe was really aware of being sustained by people's prayers and uh, by reading Mark as well. Uh, so thank you for that, Stephen. And Stephen doing what he always does, just sharing the good news everywhere, everywhere he goes. So let's read together. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 7. Uh, we're going to read from the beginning. Um, I guess what you can look out for as we read today is we're really thinking... In, in this whole series, we're thinking about the way of Jesus because we want to learn the way of Jesus as apprentices, as disciples. But this is really a passage where the way of Jesus gets contrasted with another way, which we could call the way of the Pharisees. Uh, and so I want you to look out for that as we go. What's the contrast between the way of Jesus and the way of the Pharisees? So Mark chapter 7, reading from the beginning, says, The Pharisees... And some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And then in some translations, it'll add verse 16. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. 
he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So we want to think this morning about the way of Jesus and the way of the Pharisees. Um, let me put up a picture, not, not an actual photograph of a Pharisee. Um, if we want to learn to be apprentices of Jesus and walk in his way, then we, we also need to le- learn to recognize other ways and other paths which can look very plausible and can, can even look very impressive sometimes and can be kind of tempting for us but will actually lead us into all kinds of trouble. And perhaps chief among these other ways is the way of the Pharisees. Um, and it's worth saying right at the beginning, we're, we're so used maybe as people who have read the New Testament uh, uh, maybe, maybe all our lives, we're so used to thinking of the Pharisees as the bad guys um, that uh, we can kind of think of them like pantomime villains. So every time they appear in a story, we're kind of ready to boo. We know, we know they're the bad guys. We're kind of primed to see them that way. And we see them maybe like this in this picture. Um, and we forget that actually if we had been there in that time, um, we may well have been very impressed by the Pharisees. They were very impressive people. They were respectable. They were upstanding. They were highly respected um, and widely respected. They were serious people. They were serious about the religious life. They were, you couldn't accuse them of being half-hearted or apathetic or nominal. They were all in. They were serious about their religion. They were serious about the scriptures and knew the scriptures well and could quote a lot more of the scriptures than probably any of us could. They were serious about holiness. They were serious about sin. And so if we had been living in that time, we probably would have been inclined to respect them or admire them or be impressed by them. Um, And yet, the strongest words that Jesus speaks, I think, anywhere in the New Testament, he he tends to speak to the Pharisees and to the teachers of the law. And so we need to pay close attention. What is it that had gone wrong in their religion? Um, We need to pay close attention because the way of the Pharisees is present in every generation. Right? And it's still among us today. Um, we need to pay attention because it is very subtle and seductive. Um, it's always easier to spot Pharisee tendencies in other people <laughs> than it is in, uh, in yourself. It's always easier. Um, it's, it's, it's very subtle and seductive because in, our t- in the time of Jesus, um, maybe you could see there was the way of Jesus over here and there was the way of the Pharisees over here. But very often in our time, the way of the Pharisees is going to come to us with the name of Jesus attached as a form of Christianity. Um, and so we've got to, be, got to have our wits about us. We need discernment to spot the way of the Pharisees whenever it is around. We need the spirit to show us when it is present in us. And I'm going to be trying this morning to challenge us um, I think it's tempting for the preacher to go, you know, those people over there or that church over there, they are Pharisees, but we need to try to apply this uh, to ourselves and our own hearts. 
Um, and so I want us to consider this morning three characteristics of the Pharisee way uh, that I think you can spot in this passage uh, that we've been reading. So three characteristics of the way of the Pharisees. Uh, and I'd love us to be reflecting, where do we see these maybe sneaking into our attitudes and our hearts and our practice at times? So the first one is this. And I'm just going to put up a picture for each one. Um, the first uh, characteristic of the Pharisee way is that they add many, many, many extra rules which God never gave. Um, you, you may have noticed as we read together, Jesus speaks positively in this passage about God's commands, right? So that's really important. Jesus is positive about the commands of God. Uh, and the Bible, of course, contains many commands, uh, whether it's in the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law, or in the teaching of Jesus in places like the Sermon on the Mount, or in the letters of the New Testament, you get lots of commands directly uh, from Paul and Peter and the other writers. Um, so the Bible contains many commands, but I wonder, did you notice that this passage speaks about something else, and it uses a variety of language to talk about it? Um, it talks about the traditions of the elders in verse 3 and verse 5. Um, that sounds very grand and impressive. That's what the Pharisees themselves talked about. We follow the traditions of the elders. Um, Jesus uses slightly different language. He calls it merely human rules in verse 7. He calls it human traditions in verse 8. He calls it your own traditions in verse 9. He calls it your tradition that you have handed down in verse 13. So it's that, that kind of language is repeated a lot. This merely human tradition, these merely human rules that have been added to the commands of God. Um, the Pharisees are not satisfied with God's commands. They feel that God's commands are not detailed enough. Um, although God has given us many commands, um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, he doesn't tell us in detail what to do in every situation. And so we face situations all the time where we don't have necessarily a direct command from God that tells us which path to take. But the Pharisees are here to help. <laughs> They're here to fill in the blanks where there's not enough detail. And they add many, many, many extra rules which God never gave. Um, some people have counted and say, God gave about 613 commands in the Old Testament, depending how you count a command exactly, but about 613 uh, commands that God gave in the Old Testament. But we know that by the time of Jesus, the Pharisees had added thousands more, thousands more on top of those 613. And of course, the example in our passage is an example around hand washing, um, and washing utensils and, and uh, receptacles uh, as well. Um, and it's worth saying, of course, this is not about hygiene. Um, it's not that Jesus' disciples were, had bad, bad personal hygiene and didn't wash their hands before they ate. This was about ceremonial washing. And the Old Testament did contain some commands about ceremonial washing, but the Pharisees had added many, many more. So they, they had added more washings into different moments in the day and complex kind of detail to how you wash. You're to wash this hand 
twice and then you're to wash this hand twice and you're to do it in this way and you're to do it in that way. And they'd made it more and more elaborate. So as you went through your day, you had to follow all these rituals of uh, washing. Um, another very famous example is around the Sabbath where God in the Old Testament had given a very simple command that on one day a week they were to rest and not work. But of course the Pharisees noticed God hadn't spelled out in detail what exactly is the definition of work. And so the Pharisees were here to help and they filled in the detail um, and they defined 39 types of work, 39 things that you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath. And it was incredibly complex and incredibly detailed. Um, and maybe we kind of, it's easy for us to kind of laugh at those examples and think I would never be like that or get into that kind of elaborate religious ritual. Um, but I think this is still very, very tempting for us today um, to feel like God's commands don't go into enough detail. Um, many of our daily choices that we have to make, there's no specific command in scripture. And so it's tempting for us to fill in the gaps and make lists um, for ourselves and for other people of what Christians can do and not do, maybe especially not do. Uh, what we can eat, what we can drink, what we can wear, what we can read, what we can watch, where we can go, what activities are okay, what activities are not okay. It's really tempting for us to, like the Pharisees, write those lists for ourselves and each other and make that um, human tradition a law. Now, of course, um, this is really important to say, God's commands in scripture will be very relevant to those decisions that we make. And we need to take God's commands seriously. Jesus takes God's commands seriously. Um, we, we need to make wise decisions. We're going to need discernment. We're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to take God's commands and apply them to the specific situations that we face. But whenever we go further and make lists of rules for ourselves and each other, uh, for our brothers and sisters, we are saying in essence that God's commands are inadequate, that God didn't go far enough. We are wanting to be the Holy Spirit for each other and not leave any room for discernment or for them to ask the Holy Spirit for help as they work it out uh, with God. Um, and I, I think that's a very serious thing when we want to be the Holy Spirit for other people, when we want to go beyond what God has said in his word and control each other's lives and spy on the freedom that other people have. Uh, as Paul says in Galatians. Um, what, one really interesting thing about um, the extra rules that we tend to make up um, is that they look very complicated and difficult. Like the Pharisees, we make lots and lots of rules. So they look complicated. But actually, whenever you look closer, you realize that they're all actually very achievable. They're all things you can do. The, the hand-washing rituals of the Pharisees were very complicated, but as long as you had them written down and you had them in front of you and you learned them off, you can do it. It's not that difficult to wash your right hand twice and your left hand twice and to, to repeat that, rinse and repeat literally throughout the day. That's not difficult. Um, Pharisee rules are like that. They look complicated. They're actually perfectly achievable without any divine help. You don't need the Holy Spirit to obey them. And so what they do is they allow us to feel good about ourselves. And they allow us to point the finger at other people because we can say, well, I'm keeping these rules 
they're not keeping these rules. And so we become smug and we become self-righteous and we become what Mark Twain famously called a good man in the worst sense of the word. Right? And we, we become very difficult to live with, the kind of person nobody wants to live next door to because we're there with our list ready to, to point the finger. And so that's the first characteristic of the Pharisees that we need to look out for, the adding of many, many, many extra rules that are human traditions that God never gave and that try to play the role of the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Um, here's the second characteristic of the Pharisees. Um, I'll tell you in a minute why I've got a camel uh, on the screen. Um, but the second characteristic of the Pharisees is that, is that they avoid simple obedience to the big commands. I'll, I'll explain maybe a wee bit what I mean by that in a second. Um, the Pharisees, when you look at them first, look like they care a lot about holiness and obedience. But actually, they use all the extra rules as a form of misdirection. Um, misdirection is a word that's often used by people who are um, magicians. Uh, so you know whenever someone's doing magic tricks, they misdirections when they do something over here to get you to look over here while they sneak the rabbit out uh, in, into the hat or whatever it is they're doing. The, the thing they don't want you to look at is over here, but they, they make sure that you're looking over here. Um, and that is a Pharisee tactic. The Pharisees, although they look like they're all about holiness and they're all about obedience, they're actually very clever at finding loopholes and finding ways to avoid simple obedience to the big central commands that God has given. And Jesus in this passage gives us an example, which I think from this distance, we don't totally understand what's going on, but it's something to do with the command to honor your father and mother, which is one of the big commands uh, in the 10 commandments in the Old Testament. Um, that's a simple command, but it's costly and challenging to put into practice. And the Pharisees, it seems, had invented a loophole which allowed them to look pious, where they said the time and money that I could have given to caring for my parents, I've actually devoted to God. And I've called it Korban, which means it's devoted to God. And so they look pious, but they're actually trying to find a way to avoid a simple, costly, difficult command that God has given them. Like I say, I don't think we understand from this distance exactly what was going on with that Korban tradition. Uh, but it's something like that. It's an avoidance of a simple, costly command. Um, why have I got a camel on the screen? Because Jesus said in another place in Matthew 23, talking about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. Right? I think it's one of his most brilliant, comic, um, provocative statements. What did he mean? He meant they, they were literally down straining their drinking water. This is something they did. In case they swallowed a tiny invisible insect, which was unclean and therefore would make them ritually impure. But Jesus says you're swallowing camels because they were missing the really big things that God had commanded. Um, he said they were literally on their hands and knees, counting the leaves of their herbs of their mint and their dill and their cumin in order to tithe the leaves. So they were going nine for me, one for God, nine for me, one for God. They were unbelievably scrupulous about those things. But 
Jesus says to them, you have neglected the most important things, which he says are justice and mercy and faithfulness. Right? You've strained at gnats and you've swallowed camels. And you look at the Pharisees and they, back then and today and they seem so impressive and their knowledge of God's word and God's law is so impressive and they've got this willingness to obey thousands and thousands of rules and you think it's so impressive. But actually Jesus is saying all of that careful, nitpicking, scrupulous, pernickety rule keeping can be a way to avoid the big things that God has asked of us. To love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. To love your enemy. To forgive those who wrong you. To show mercy. To seek justice. To welcome the stranger. To feed the hungry. Some, we don't want to do those things because they're costly and they're difficult. And we would much rather be in a corner counting leaves, straining water, having an argument about some minor point of doctrine or lifestyle. We'd much rather do that. Um, these things Jesus calls us to are simple but costly and challenging. Um, and so maybe we need to throw this out as a challenge this morning. If you find yourself on your hands and knees counting leaves, <laughs> if you find yourself consumed with all kinds of pernickety little details and extra rules and arguments about um, tiny things. It's worth pausing and asking, what actually is my motivation? Is it really because I care about holiness and about honoring God? Or is it because I want to avoid some things that are much more basic that God wants to ask me about? Do you love your wife? What about you and your kids? What about your neighbor? What about that person you need to forgive? What about the lustful habits that you've stopped fighting against? What about the love of money that consumes your days and your life? The big things that Jesus speaks about. You can see why we'd much rather be in a corner arguing about nothing um, and trying to control other people's lives with rules that are human traditions. Because we don't want to deal with these big things. And so that's the second big characteristic of the Pharisees. So they make lots of extra rules, but they want to avoid simple obedience to the big things that God has asked, to justice and mercy and faithfulness. Um, and the third thing about the Pharisees is that they focus on externals and not the heart. Um, Jesus quotes in the, in the passage we read from the prophet Isaiah saying, and he says, the prophet was right in what he said about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Jesus goes on to say in the passage we read, um, the Pharisees are obsessed about what goes into their body, uh, the food laws and the, the, the hand washing laws and all that kind of stuff. They're obsessed about what's going into the body. But Jesus says what really matters is what comes bubbling up out of your heart. That's what really matters. And the Pharisees are always about external appearance. They're about performative righteousness, performing your righteousness for the crowd, for the, the people who are watching in a way that makes you look good. 
but they're not paying attention to the heart. And Jesus says, and he's very blunt, he says, your hearts are full of muck. Your hearts are full of all kinds of stuff. And he lists some of the muck. He says, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Your hearts are full of that stuff, he says, while you're arguing and uh, debating all these other things. Um, In another place, again, in Matthew 23, uh, which maybe is a passage you can read alongside this one, uh, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Uh, and if that's not strong enough, he goes further. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. So while the Pharisees are trying to strain their drinking water to avoid anything unclean going in, their, their hearts are full of, he says, everything, all kinds of uncleanness. Um, Jesus is all about the heart. Um, I think we, we make a serious mistake sometimes when we, we talk about sin simply as bad behavior. Um, and sometimes in struggling to talk about these things with kids, we say to kids, sin is doing and saying bad things. Um, and of course, behavior matters. What we do matters. What we say matters. Um, but whenever we, we try to change behavior without heart change, we end up with the the fake holiness of the Pharisees. Uh, We look impressive from a distance while our hearts are full of muck and eventually the muck will come out because it always does. And so a little word as we talk to kids, we need to talk to them about the heart and not simply about externals. Uh, What we need, children and teenagers and adults, all of us, what we need is a deeper transformation, a complete renewal and renovation of the heart so that our most basic desires are transformed. What we want is changed. What we love gets changed. And then that flows out into the way that we live. From that deep wellspring of the heart comes a change of life. Streams of living water flow from deep within us. It's not trying to change from the outside in. It's changing from the inside out. Um, Maybe one way of putting this, we could say, whenever we hear one of God's good commands in the Bible, because the Bible is full of good commands, um, we need to not just ask, what kind of behavior is God calling me to through this command? But we need to go deeper and ask, what kind of heart is God wanting to form in me? What kind of heart is God wanting to form as, as this command works in me and as his Holy Spirit works in me. Um, we said earlier, um, the way of the Pharisees looks complicated because there are so many rules, but actually um, it, it's, it's superficial. It's only skin deep. Um, we can do it in our own strength if we try hard enough. You can, you can obey those rules. The way of Jesus is simpler and deeper and much more difficult. And that means we can't do it without supernatural help, right? We need Jesus who has died and risen to break the power of sin. We need the Holy Spirit who changes us from deep within. 
You can do the way of the Pharisees in your own strength. You can't do the way of Jesus because it needs a transformation of the heart and only God can do that. We need a miracle of new creation. We need God to create in us a, a new heart. Um, and so there we go. Three characteristics of the Pharisees. The making of lots and lots of extra rules, putting them on ourselves and others. The avoiding of simple obedience to the big things that God has asked of us. And a focus on external appearance and performance and an avoiding of paying attention uh, to the heart. Um, I wonder as we talk about those things, do you recognize any of those as alive and well in Northern Ireland in our religious culture? Um, but let me ask the more awkward question. <laughs> do you recognize any of them as alive and well in yourself? in our own habits of life and thought um, and the way we relate to each other. Um, I want to finish this morning. Um, we're going to pray, but we're going to take time to pray this morning. Um, and I want to kind of lead us in just a little reflection where we allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts because we need the Spirit's help. We have a lot of blind spots. Like I said earlier, we see these tendencies in others. We find it really hard to see them in ourselves. And so we need the Spirit uh, to show us. And so I'm going to lead us just in a little reflection and we're going to pray together. Um, let, me, let me say at the beginning of that, that at the end today, if you would like someone to pray with you, um, there's going to be a couple of people up here uh, who'd love to pray with you. It could be about what we've been thinking about this morning, or it could be about something else that's going on uh, in your life or your family. Um, but there'll be a couple of people here who would love to, to pray with you. But let's pray together um, and reflect and then we're going to sing together. Father, we want to pray. Um, it's maybe easy for us to talk about these things or think about them, but we, to apply them to the depths of our own hearts, uh, we need your Holy Spirit, to come and shine a light. Uh, we need you to come and show us our own blind spots and the games that we play sometimes to avoid the challenge of your word. Yeah. Father, I want to pray as we begin to pray. If our minds are buzzing with thinking about someone else who really needs to hear these things or some other church that gets these things wrong, um, Father, forgive us for focusing on the flaws of others. Um, help us to pay attention to how you want to speak to us today. Father, some of us here um, have experienced plenty of Pharisee religion growing up in Northern Ireland. Religious rules and rituals and going to church and doing this and not doing this. But maybe we've never come to Jesus and asked for a new heart. And maybe even as we're reflecting this morning, we've realized that's what we need to do. We don't need more rules. We need a new heart. Um, and Father, we want to take a moment in quiet. And maybe some of us need to just pray a simple prayer this morning, saying, come, Lord Jesus. Um, here is my heart with all kinds of muck all kinds of stuff 
that is not right, um, that we keep well hidden, but we know that God can see. And we need to come to Jesus this morning and say, I, I've heard that you make all things new, so I give this, these pieces to you. If you want it, you can have my heart. Um, come and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? And would you come and make me new? Would you come and make me clean? Would you come and change my deepest desires and make me a new creation? If we need to pray that prayer this morning, give us the courage to do it. Father, some of us here today met Jesus a long time ago and we experienced his love and power changing our hearts. But we've got to be honest this morning and say somewhere along the way we lost our way and we lost our first love. And we've been seduced again by the way of the Pharisees. And we want to confess we have become smug and self-righteous. Always pointing the finger and criticism of others. That we've become loveless and joyless. The word of God says to us this morning, what has happened to all your joy? And Father, if we recognize that in ourselves this morning, help us to repent and return to Jesus, who's standing with arms open. Um, help us to return and say, would you change my heart? Would you fill me with your love? Would you fill me with your joy? Would you set me free from that smug, critical Pharisee spirit, which is gripping my heart? Would you give me your heart instead? Father, some of us are really aware that we talk a good game about the Bible and doctrine and theology, and we sound so impressive and spiritual, and we honour God with our lips and people admire us. But we know this morning that our hearts are far away. Our hearts are a million miles away, and our hearts are full of muck. Father, help us, if that's us this morning, to return to Jesus, um, to confess our sin and to ask again, would you come and bring that deep renewal and renovation of the heart that only you can bring? Father, some of us here are aware we, we look so impressive on the outside. We, we do so many things for God and for the church and for others. And we run around doing all the right things and we look so impressive. And people admire our dedication and our commitment. But again, we know this morning, if we're being honest, our hearts are far away. We've lost our love. We've lost our joy. The fire has gone out. Father, if that's us this morning, help us to remember Jesus is waiting with arms wide open, wanting again to restore the joy of our salvation, wanting again to restore our first love, wanting again to light the flame and the fire. Um, 
Father, we confess this morning that very often in Northern Ireland we have, um, we have walked in the way of the Pharisees rather than the way of Jesus. And we pray, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you renew your church and fill it with the beauty of Jesus. And where we need to repent of our self-righteous Pharisee ways, help us to do that. Give us humility. Give us genuine faith and hope and love. Give us the joy of knowing Jesus. And we pray in the name of Jesus, our Saviour and our King. Amen.